Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today I'm talking to a fry guy from McDonald's who turned into a self-proclaimed customer therapist as he's growing his business, which is a project management business suited right now specifically for the survey industry, but it's going to be beyond that with no doubt. Welcome to the show, Fred Deisty. And I want to just say how excited I am to dig into your story because it is seldom that I get to talk to a guy who is the wealth or depth of experience that you have. So welcome to the show, Fred. Let's get into it. Well, thank you, Lance. And uh, thank you for, for having me on the show. Let's get into it. Okay. So the first question that I always ask everybody is, you know, in terms of all the history, all the experience that you have, and just so the audience knows, you have had 10 startups. This is your 10th, right? Or is this the 11th? Roughly. I lost okay. count. <laughs> okay. Not to mention that you've been in other startups, not necessarily as the founder. Um, and you've also had, you know, the corporate career and everything else too. So there's a wealth of experience that you can bring to this question. And that is, what are three things that every entrepreneur should or needs to know? Um, my top one is my dad, who's a um, was a, re, a military officer and highly degreed, always told me, don't let school get in the way of your education. Yeah. Okay. And I went to a lot of college, um, never completed a degree, even though I wanted to, but I studied applied mechanical engineering. I studied computer science. I studied history. I was educating. Yep. And and then I started working for entrepreneurs and I always thought there was something real special about an entrepreneur. And there is. Don't get me wrong. There is. But it wasn't something I was lacking. Yeah, it was something I had. But fear was the factor that would keep me from going forward. And when I started working for people who'd taken that step, that's a big step when you're going to go out on your own. Um, and when I got to know them and saw what they were doing and their backgrounds and everything, some are educated, have their degrees and all that. Some aren't. I mean, there's broad background. Yeah. The one thing they all had in common was the willingness to just step out there, the guts, if you will, the courage to just step out there and do it. Yep. Um, and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and I find that, um, I saw one with Steve Jobs recently where he called Bill Packard at 12 years old and wanted to get some parts cause he knew that, you know, Bill had a, a computer <laughs> company, right? Yeah. Yeah. And people go, well, how did you call Bill Packard? Well, his number was listed in the phone book. I picked up, he answered, we had a conversation and yeah. there's magic right there. Don't totally. be afraid to pick up the phone. Yeah. So so don't let all those things get in the way. If you've got an idea and you've got a you know, certain background that supports that idea, figure out how to go for it. Even if that means working a full-time job while you're moonlighting on your passion. Mm -hmm. If you find your passion then eventually the full-time job will become the moonlighting and then it will sunset <laughs> and your passion will become how you live your lifestyle, whatever that may be. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, I think there's three right in there. So don't <laughs> let people get in the way. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and bas basically follow your passion and, and really get going on it. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll add a fourth one to that and keep it at that advisors. Okay. 
Not one. There's so many people in your background, in your life, and in your current life that you can draw different advice from based on what they know and they do. Yeah. And right now I'm putting together a list of advisors of about seven of them that are, that are each have been successful in a certain discipline. And that's who I go to when I have questions about an issue confronting me. Yeah. And then yeah. to that, make sure you're concise with your advisors and use their time sparingly because it's valuable. Yeah, totally. Well, and I, I want to just emphasize something too, an observation here. And that is that, uh, you know, you've been at this for quite a number of years. You've been, uh, you know, have all these different startups under your belt and experiences in the corporate world and working for other companies that have pre-IPO'd and post-IPO'd and so on. And so uh, even you, and that this is a really important distinction, understand the value of surrounding yourself with advisors even at this stage, right? And that's that's notable. Show me a world-class athlete that doesn't have a coach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The best of the best still have coaches because they can be better. Yeah. So never be, you, I don't have all the answers. One thing I learned early on in my sales career was being able to say, I don't know to a mm -hmm. potential client. And that does not come from a place of fear. That does not come from a place of stupidity. It's from honesty. But yeah. then you follow that up with, I'm noting that here, I will find out and I will get back to you. Yeah. But we don't know everything. Or we would be there already. <laughs> yeah. Well, and not only that we don't know everything, it's also hard to hold yourself accountable when you're the guy at the top of the pyramid as well, right? And so oh, shoot. having those advisors and coaches and so on allow for you to have that outside, um, you know, accountability. You're, you're answering to these people in a way, right? On, yes. For the, the progress that you're saying that you're going to make. Yes. And then yeah. um, Abraham Lincoln was known for his, you know, administration cabinet of being a cabinet of opposites mm. where they were argumentative. Yeah. And he, pre he fostered that. And so one of the reasons my partner and I clicked so well is early on, even when he was a consultant, I said, question me, go ahead. If you think I'm doing something that doesn't make sense, bring it up. Let's talk about it. And if you're right, we'll do that. If I can convince you I'm right, we'll do that. You know, that's how you build something better. It's collaboration. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, totally. And, and so I always find like when I, if I go play tennis again, I used to play tennis and I love playing somebody who was rated two levels above me because it was just going to bring up my game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. play somebody you know, lower than me and just win all the time and not improve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's like they say, you know, surround yourselves with, uh, with people who are brighter, smarter, you know, more experienced or whatever the case might be. Right now, now let's get into your business though. Okay. So BizWatt, uh, you, you guys have a product right now, Q factor, which is a, uh, PM software for the survey industry uh, specifically. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what, I guess, sets you guys apart and what's special about what you guys have developed there? Sure. Um, I guess what sets us apart is early on, we decided we wanted to do a project management tool that was easy to use and people loved. Um, and a lot of PM tools that are out there, they get overly complicated. And 
you're no longer managing projects, you're managing the app. Yeah. And so we really set out with simplicity, the user interface, the UX from the ground up had to be well-designed and efficient. So back to the McDonald's story I was telling earlier about efficiency. Um, and so six years on now, so the company's been around seven. We released our uh, Q Factor for Surveyor six years ago. And la- last weekend, I was at an industry trade conference in Reno with 1,500 of my target customers and a lot of my existing customers there. Yep. And I had users I've never met before. You know, our user base is growing to where I can't, you know, I, I know who the implementers are. I don't know who the users are. Yeah. And I had users coming up and saying, I've never used anything like this at past companies. It's easy to use and I love it. That right there, I don't care how many clients we have. I don't care what our revenue is. That is what we set out to do. And that's what we achieved. Yeah. And, and the thing I keep hearing in these investment and SaaS videos is um, market fit. So that's where the product design and development by making it um, tailored to what our customers want. And if we do that, then when they come and use it, it fits their needs and they love it. Yeah. And before we started uh, hitting the record button here, uh, you were talking about that, that you actually are doing a lot of product development hand in hand with your customer's needs, right? So they're coming to you with unique needs and then you're taking that information, you're building it into the platform for everybody's use, I guess. Correct. Uh, but at the same time, you're probably able to fund that through the, the custom development that you're doing for that individual to begin with, right? Correct. Correct. So yeah. so we completely rely on, on customer feedback. Um, yeah. My email and phone and, you know, we're always available. And, and I tell people... If you're using our application and you go, I wish it did this, or if it did this, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. If we can make that happen and it will make your job better, let me know. Yeah. And so we did have a big client um, shop us around and um, they came back. So that was cool. But they also came back with a feature request. They found something in another application they really, really liked and wanted. And would really, really make them love us better. So we said, cool, let's sit down. So there was a development fee that went with that. And then we worked hand in hand with their director of operations, their project manager, a couple key players. We prototyped what they wanted, put it on a dev server, live data, tested, 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 changed, you know, and went through the whole product development life cycle until it was ready to be released. And it was released to all of our clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> what? And that's the smartest way of doing your product development is listening to your your you know customer base and and taking that and building it in. And then I think from a business model perspective, it's just brilliant to be able to have then that development funded by these customization needs that you know a particular client might have. And then you can benefit on the back end of that as well by selling that feature or adding well, that yes. feature and, to the rest of the rollout, right? And this is where awesome. this is where our client base, and we talked to so many people of our client base across the United States. So, you know, thank you, um, Zoom and all the other applications and then the modern technology that allows us to do this. But in talking to all these people, we're, you know, 
I almost become a therapist. And post getting them on board, I do come become a business consultant. So we we try to find out what the pain point is. And when we hear the same pain point from enough customers, then we know we're on to something because they're savvy enough to go look for solutions. And if they can't find them, market opportunity, painkiller, you know, so back to the, is it candy, is it vitamins, or is it painkillers that we make? We make painkillers. And people can do without candy. In fact, they probably shouldn't have it, you know. Instagram, yeah. really. Um, <laughs> vitamins, uh, map my run is a vitamin, right? I can live without it, but I like using it. So I'll pay for it. But if it went away, I wouldn't, you know, I'd still go running. Yeah. Painkiller. Yeah. Yeah. You're relying on completing million dollar projects on time, on budget and in scope. And we've got an application that helps you do that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I, and I love that analogy. I think that's absolutely perfect. And that's the the goal of every business should be trying to find a way to become that painkiller for uh, their clients, because then you're always going to be needed. Um, so it's brilliant. So now just getting uh change in direction a little bit just to your entrepreneurial journey. So um, you have been um, at the startup business for or startup world, I guess, for quite a while. Um, so you have lots of uh, history to draw upon. Um, when you talk about your journey, what are some of the profound moments within that journey that have basically led you to this point where now you're seeing the success in this particular startup? Partners. Okay. Tell me more. You live and die by partners. Yeah. Um, and, and I've made a lot of partner mistakes in the past and that's my fault and yeah. partners who, whatever reason, whatever we were doing imploded my fault because I chose them as my partner and I had to do some real self-assessment before I started this one. And, and my wife who now ex, unfortunately, um, at the time, she'd seen me through multiple startups. In fact, at the time we met, I had three concurrent startups going in 1999. <laughs> Video production facility for digital technologies. BizWatt 1.0 is a web-delivered service. And I was CEO of a wireless company that won two Best Comdex awards. All in one two-year time frame. Anyway. Yeah, that's insane, man. <laughs> but... Partners for every one of those, they fell apart because what we started as a founding team was not the right founding team. Some of them would have been great contractors or consultants. Yeah. Not equal equity partners. So, so then what kind of advice would you give? Like, how does one know who's going to be a good partner? How do you know how to navigate that in advance of it all falling apart, essentially? Don't start out giving everything away. If you've got an idea and you want to pursue it, you got to do a self inventory of what do I bring to the table that will help further this idea. Okay. Then we do our Venn diagram of what do I have? What don't I have? So what do I need? Mm -hmm. And my mistakes in the past is finding people I didn't quite know. I may have only worked with a little, I kind of knew, you know, some connection of some kind, but they had this certain thing that I needed. So now you're in for 25% and you're my equal partner and you're the CTO. Okay. 
you know, and you do that and you start going and suddenly you find out the key element. You don't have shared values. So I would say the first thing is figure out if you have shared values. Um, One of my early mentors was actually the revolutionary of the digital camera technology. And his backstory was he found a guy, the two of them wanted to work together. They just knew it. They were on a project together. They knew they wanted to do something. They weren't sure what. They had the luxury of renting a condo in the Bermudas for two weeks of just the two of them. And all they talked about was core values, working, Mm -hmm. ethics. Can we spend two weeks in a condo in the Bermudas together? I mean, sounds easy, but day three or four, (laughs) dude, clean up the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) They did that. They realized they could work together. Then they decided what they were going to do. Yeah. So my recommendation is don't undersell yourself, first of all. That was one of my big mistakes. I started looking for people I thought needed to augment what I didn't have or wasn't my strength. That was a mistake in many cases. So identifying, is it really a weakness? Is it really something I need to augment? Or what does this person bring to the table? And as I mentioned, my current partner, we've been together on this company almost day three. I got the money on a Thursday and I hired him as a consultant, paying him his rate to start the company because I had the funding. Didn't offer him any stock. We didn't even talk about it. Don't, stock is invaluable until your company's worth something. So don't even bring it up. And so with my current partner, we started to work together on a consulting basis and that's where we established our work relationship. But as I also told you that he and I coincidentally go back to the same community and he graduated from the same high school 23 years after I did talking about shared values growing up in the same small community in California. Yeah. And then having references for this person. Like I said, when I ran into the CFO who we had in common and the first thing she says is you're working with Ryder. He's wonderful. His wife's one, you know, now I'm getting referential feedback that is good. Yeah. Yeah. What I've also learned is people don't necessarily give you negative referential feedback. There's liability in that. Yeah. So if somebody, if you ask for a reference and somebody doesn't give you much, that was the reference. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. So it is really figuring out at a core level and a value level, can you work together? Then comes what do we do and how do we do it? Yeah. And so yeah. Ryder has progressed from, instead of me, it was mutual when he wanted to go for sweat, when he wanted to give up the consultant role and become a partner and it was mutual and it took us time. It wasn't an overnight, here's a contract and go. We had to discuss how we were going to work together, what we were going to do, responsibilities. So you got to go into it with thought. So yes, yeah. you're... Yeah. So, so yeah. So the values part of it, get that nailed down first and then ease into it, uh, into the relationship and kind of stage it out. Right. So that's what I'm hearing, which I, I think is smart. It's very methodical. Um, and I'm one, one, one last thing on that. Sure. If you're yeah. the founder, yeah, maintain at least 51% control as long as you can, because at the end of the day, somebody has to make a decision. It's not a committee thing. Yeah. And as yeah. long as you're 51 or greater, you're the dictator. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. 
Okay. So now I'm curious because uh, you've had so many different startups. From the personal perspective, what makes entrepreneurialism, um, this journey that we're all on, all of our, our listeners here today, um, what makes it so difficult in your mind? You know, we talk about and we celebrate the success and we, we you know, glorify entrepreneur, entrepreneurs oftentimes, right? Uh, and so we talk a lot about that. But those tough things from a personal perspective, what, what do you find that has been some of those big friction points for you? Um, Get I, and I see, see you're, you're struggling with that because I know you are such an entrepreneur at heart, right? I mean, just that's the way you think you're programmed to be this. So, Oh, I am. And, and Winston Churchill is one of my favorite historical figures. And the man was just brilliant with the maxims and the, you know, the quotes and stuff. And I can, I got 30 of them at least, but one of my favorite that really drives to the heart of entrepreneurism is the definition of success is going from one failure to the next with a positive attitude. Yeah. So a lot of crap happens. You know, I, I was asked to speak in front of a college of engineering entrepreneur program and, you know, they said, what's the toughest thing you run into is, Sunday night, not having payroll in the bank due Monday. Yeah. What? Yeah. I got people that I sold on a job. Yep. I sold them to work for me, right? Yeah. I owe them a check because they worked for me. And the last thing I'm going to ever do as a business owner is bounce payroll. I've yep. had it happen to me. And it's not cool. So yep. if you want to know the hard part of entrepreneurism, as soon as you get an employee you better make sure you pay them on time. Yeah. And I had to buy hook or crook or anything. I got the money in the bank that morning. So payroll was covered and yeah. I had to call in favors. <laughs> I almost put up the pink slip on my truck. But if you aren't willing to do that for your dream and your passion, take a job. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a really, really good point. And, and I, I agree with you. There's so many people right now who are probably nodding their head going, yeah, I've been there. It's tough. Okay. So I'm, I'm also curious at this stage, you know, in your, in your life and your journey, um, what's easier with this business than what you found in all the rest of them, you know, because now you have all of that experience in the rear view, view mirror. Well, with, I don't know, with maturity, I think some people are born with this better than I was. I was raised military Catholic, so a lot of controls on what you said and did. And <laughs> a lot of those are imprinted for lifetimes sometimes. Yeah. And so with the benefit of age and maturity and and failures and mistakes comes wisdom. You know, wisdom comes from experience. Experience comes from not getting what you thought you were going to get. Yeah. Um. So the wisdom, but also now I don't really give a crap what other people think anymore, but not to a negative standpoint. And I've always admired people. I watched this happen at the conference where one of my clients was demoing my product at a conference to my target market. That was Nirvana. Hmm. I just stood back and let my client demo the product just, and I could see the other vendors going, holy crap. But anyway, <laughs> Um, sorry, where was I going with that? Maturity and, uh, Oh, maturity. Yeah. 
So I watched him and he's younger than me and he runs a very successful business. And I watched him very nicely, fact-based, throat punch a guy. Hmm. I mean, what he was saying needed to be said because I'd already said it to the guy at breakfast. But very nicely throat punched him in a way that the guy went, oh, you're right. That is a talent and a grace. And with age, I finally have gotten to where I'm better at that. I used to either not say it or my Viking came out, sword comes out, heads off, and now I got a bloody mess and I have to clean it up. Yeah. yeah. So it's so kind of the, the, the Betty, Betty White, uh, you know, like you get to a point where you just don't care anymore. You do what the hell you want, right? And it's you know. liberating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and not caring doesn't mean you do something immoral, unethical, you know, yeah. that. That's not the yeah. not caring. And you don't want to hurt feelings. Yeah. But as my partner and I are fine-tuning our relationship, um, which is a good place to be. If you've got to work on your relationship, that's questionable. If you're fine-tuning it, that's healthy. Yep. And so we're at the point where we have enough, literally, man love. I mean, we... We love each other. Okay. So that's huge. And for men yep. to say that is important. Sure. Um, and, and we respect each other. And so the other day he started to say something and he hesitated. And I said, what was our agreement now? We say what we have to say when we have to say it with respect. Yes. Cause we have to get it out of the way. We're moving too fast to wait. You can't let things linger. You can't let things build up. Um, not saying something is like having an infection and it's going to build up and it's going to be ugly when it explodes. Totally. So partners, you've got to have that love and respect where you can say what you need to say, when you need to say it, you deal with it and you move on. Yeah. No hurt feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it. I, I'm also curious about uh, just digging a little bit deeper into what you said there with your quote from uh, Winston Churchill. And that was, uh, you know, the the failures and you you've said that you've had a few along the way here um but then it's the ability to be positive going into the next battle essentially going into the next venture and how how is it that you've been able to maintain that because you you know there's you hit the lows of lows when when those failures are hitting you because uh you know you you put so much into a business and then to to have a failure there to dust yourself off and get up and be resilient and, and go into the next one positive with that can do attitude. What, what's your secret there? How do you do that? I don't know that there's a secret. Um, I love starting things from nothing. I love solving problems. That's what I do. And so when one stops, when one's no longer an opportunity, because of the way I am, the next one gets revealed to me and I don't know what it is. So that's why I've done video production. That's why I've done embedded computers. That's why I started a wireless um, ISP that was one of the largest in California at the time. Um, I started a video production company with no background in video production that was one of the largest studios between San Francisco and L.A. So um, it's just what I do. I'm built yeah. to do it. But in, and you talk about, you know, DNA, 
I've got Scandinavian background, Viking in my background, and they're all immigrants that came to the United States when there were no states west of the Rockies or west of the Mississippi. Yeah. And they were all entrepreneurs themselves. Um, my great-grandfather, Dicey, started Dicey and Dicey Mercantile in North Dakota, which was still in the family up to, for 127 years, it was still in our family. Wow, that's cool. He came over as an immigrant and started a business. My yeah. Swedish grandfather came over at 15, and by 21, he owned his first pharmacy. Hmm. He ended up owning more. He also owned a cigar company in South Dakota. Yellowstone cigars. He imported stuff from Havana, had farm wives rolling them. So it's in my blood. Yeah. 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 Um, very much so. I can't not do it. And I, yeah. and I make a terrible employee. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the, one of the secrets I think to a lot of entrepreneurs that are the reasons why they, they become entrepreneurs is yeah, we, we make really good entrepreneurs and really shitty employees. Yeah. Which yeah. is why yeah. consulting works great. Cause you're a little bit of the entrepreneur. You're not the employee yeah. and you can still tell people what you think and they can fire you, yeah. but it's just another client. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Okay. So now if you could turn back time or actually send a letter back in time to your younger entrepreneurial self. Okay. So, so this is Fred when he's just bright eyed and bushy tailed and uh, looking at his first venture uh, that he wants to start. What would you now put in that letter? What would you tell young Fred? Buy Apple stock. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Lieutenant <laughs> Dan said we invested in a fruit company. <laughs> Remember that from Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say stop worrying about what other people may think and go do what you think you need to do. Hmm. Uh, because I had these visions back then because I started writing programs when I was in the sixth grade is when I started in computers. I was right at the revolution in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Um, and I tried and tried to take advantage of it, but I was always trying on other people's coattails, not, not my own thing. Yeah. And the difference. So follow your passion, follow your dream. Don't follow what other people think you should be doing. Um, I've got a 17 year old daughter and she's choosing not to go to college right now. And she was afraid that I was going to stop supporting her. And I said, you know what? My dad made that mistake. Hmm. You find what you want to do and I will support it. So she's into reptiles and she's working at an exotic pet store. And now she wants to go to college to study that. And so I'm supporting what she's doing, even if it's not college. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Fred. This was really entertaining and uh, just a lot of fun. I mean, it's, uh, it's the these kinds of interviews that just really energize me. And I know our audience is getting lots out of it as well. And if somebody wanted to reach out to you, connect with you, follow you a little bit, uh, learn more about BizWatt and uh, our BizWatt and uh, Q Factor. Sorry, I almost forgot the name of That's the program. Right. Um, how would they do that? What's the best way for them to, to follow and connect with you? Um, well, uh, email address is one. So F. Um, Dicey at, at bizwatt.com. Are you going to put that in the final notes? Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, is the best way to do it. And then you can go through our website, take a look at what we have there. Okay. 
Sounds really good. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. And for those who are listening today, if you like this episode and want to check out some of our other profiles of entrepreneurs, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca and that's where you're going to see the full archive and all our future episodes. And of course, just search Amplify Your Business for your listening pleasure on any of your podcasting favorite platforms out there. We're in them all basically. So until next time, everybody have a prosperous day and thank you so much again, Fred. I really appreciate it. Well, and before you close out, um, the rocket behind me is because this is being, I'm, I'm at Vandenberg Space Force Base where Elon Musk launches his rockets. I don't know if we covered that at the beginning, but yeah, that's kind of fun to be here doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Super cool. If you want to launch a startup. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks a lot, Fred. Bye.